This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. You're listening to the Millennial Balance Podcast right here on 105.9 The Region, exclusively part of our Discoveries block, and we are back. I'm Shaliza Vakis. I'm Afia Ba. I hope everyone's, uh, you know, just taking in the, the great weather. Um, Wear your sunscreen. Yeah. <laughs> Wear your sun, sun, sun screen. <laughs> Wear your sunscreen for sure. That's what the heat's doing to me. It's making me jumble up words I know. now. But, you know, I'm not complaining. I'm not mm-hmm. complaining. I know we're starting off with the weather again. I but know. You, you can't not shout out the weather when we've been through it, okay? And now this is like picture perfect. What exactly. else do you want? Exactly. This is what we've been waiting for. And yes. it's just, I think it's just become our signature now. We have Absolutely. to talk about the weather. Absolutely. Now the listeners want to hear it. You know, Every if we don't do it, they're like, what's the weather like? We're the new meteorologists. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna switch gears a little bit from sure. weather to finances. Something that is always lots of fun for you millennials. Need money to enjoy the weather. Yeah, you can't be outside if you're broke. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, you can't. Maybe, maybe. I, I mean, you could be. <laughs> but I mean, if you would like to have your own finances, then yes. this conversation is for you. Yes, and especially with the the high cost of living, you know, it's 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 looking like it's really tight just to be able mm-hmm. to sort of make ends meet depending on what your income level is. And even if maybe sometimes you have a high level of income, you're still finding that you're stretching thin. So I think this conversation is timely. Um, I think people are really, you know, looking for different ways to find extra income yep. to be able to live essentially. And maybe, you know, do some extra little things that they wanted to do throughout the summer that they've always been meaning to do, but just never had time to do. And now financially can't do. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many other just basic expenses that have gone up. Groceries are so expensive. Gas is terribly expensive. And even transit in that matter, trying yeah. just trying to get around is expensive. So we need to save the money where we can. We need to make the money where we can. So joining us to talk about this is Rajat Sony, who has some great advice on personal finance, and he is a chartered financial analyst. So Rajat, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, uh, happy to be here. Amazing. Thank you so much. So first off, how did you get into, you know, offering great tips on personal finance and and just being able to share that with the community? I mean, I will I will say it myself. I have I I started following you on Twitter and I personally love your advice. It's very down to earth, very understandable. And so I look forward to seeing it every day. So, I mean, (laughs) what put you into that position of wanting to share that with others? I started off working inside a bank. Um, I, I actually worked at one of the large, uh, the bigger five banks in Canada as a financial services representative. So I would constantly be seeing people's bank accounts. I'd constantly see their credit card balances. I, I just noticed that a lot of people are doing a lot of the same things wrong. I think seeing that all these people are making the same mistakes and they're they're getting paid really well as well. I mean, they're making the same mistakes. They're they're they have the same bank balances, they have the same amount of debt. It's a pattern. And I, I think that's something that even I was facing a problem with. So I thought it could be something that most people can uh, can enjoy listening about. Um, I mean, I, I try to make it bite sized if I can. So yeah, and I mean, I think we all come to that difficult decision where it's like, do I save money? Do I enjoy my life? Do I stick it on a credit card and worry about it later? And I think that is probably one of the main things that you've seen people doing wrong. Am I right? Right. I mean, you, you there's there were so many transactions just financing random garbage that people really don't need. I mean, even I did it myself. I would be spending three to four hundred dollars a month on just 
random things I didn't need from Amazon. So it, it, it's pretty consistent. I mean, it's not just one or two people, it's everybody. So do you think even now with inflation being at sort of near record levels, of course, it being at record levels from last year, it's now starting to come down a little bit. But do you think that's also playing into this sort of role where financially millennials are just finding themselves really strapped? Well, prices are still continuing to go up. It's just that the rate of increase has slowed down. So it, like in the, at the peak, it was about 7%. Now it's 5%. So, so prices are still going up consistently. They're probably going to continue to keep going up forever. That's scary to hear, but if you're not prepared to hear that, you're not going to make the right moves, right? So the expenses have definitely gone up. I think groceries have pretty much like doubled over the last two to three years. Uh, so I think they'll continue to go up. The only way to protect yourself is to invest, right? Absolutely, yeah. which is why we have you here. So yeah. of course, that was the next thing that we were going to ask. Okay, so we're in this place. I'm I'm not sort of exclusive to the like other people who might be dealing financially with some issues i mean how do we now start to dig ourselves out of that hole what's the sort of first step that we do i think the very first step is that you have to uh, start tracking your expenses you have to see where your where your money is going in my experience a lot of people are making more than enough money it's just that their expenses are consistently going up and they're spending a lot on things that they don't need i, I mean i was doing that myself um, I know quite a few people who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars and they're still living paycheck to paycheck. So the first thing that you have to do is track your expenses. I mean, that you can do that on a spreadsheet. Once you do that, you can start following through with other things. But I think doing that as the very first step is the most important. So once you do that, you can start, go ahead and start paying off credit card debt, uh, start paying off high interest debt, and then move on from there. You can build up an emergency fund after you've paid off your high interest debt then you can go on to starting to save for short-term goals. And then when, once that, once your short-term goals, like let's say you want to save for a house over the next two to three years, you can start making small payments towards your savings account and have those build up over time so you, you can reach your goals in time. And then after you've done that, you can move on to investing. I think the investing part is the most complicated, but everybody can do it. It's not difficult. It just takes a little bit of time to learn. I definitely think that investing is the most complicated because, I mean, I have I'm lucky enough to have an accountant mother who is kind of like pushing me in the direction of, of what to invest and where and how. But a lot of people don't have advice like that. And I feel like backtracking a little bit to actually saving while investment might be complicated. I feel like saving is actually the hardest part. Do you have any advice for people to actually start to save? Like what can they cut back on? And, you know, there are things that you need to spend money on, but what things don't you need to spend money on? I mean, you know, those random Amazon packages could be one for sure. Right. I, I think eating out is a huge one. I mean, eating out, it's not good for your body. It's not good for your wallet. I think it's probably the easiest way to cut down two to three hundred dollars a month for some people. Other than that, I mean, there's there's this random per, random purchases on Amazon, like you said, pretty much anything that you don't need, right? It's entertainment. I mean, something that I personally know a lot of people do is they have three to five uh, streaming subscriptions. How many of those do you really use every month? I mean, if you could cut down to one, you're saving eighty to a hundred dollars a month. Mm. That's a good point. It's true. They all add up. I mean, we don't they think do. of it because you think of it as like, oh, $14 a month. That's yeah. not so bad times four. It's not even, it's not even like you don't, you, get, you don't get to use them. You can circulate through them if you want to. You're pretty much watching one show at a time. I think it saves you a lot of money. You get to do what you want to. It's just finding ways to do what you want. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. And then um, just going towards sort of like the investing. I mean, what are some of the things that you think maybe hold people back from getting into that? Is that fear? Is that maybe sort of because they don't have the knowledge that it was like, I don't know if I should get started. So I'm just going to just keep doing what I'm doing. Are you seeing more millennials sort of getting into the investing sort of uh, movement? Are you still seeing some hesitation? I definitely. I'm, I'm seeing a lot more millennials, a lot more Gen Z. A lot of Gen X were already pretty much doing it. But I think Gen Z have started really young, which is great. I think the thing that really stops people from doing it, though, is the fear. But a lot of millennials have parents who lost money during the uh, the great the financial crash uh, of 2008 2009 right so I think they're scarred from that and they think that oh things are going to go to zero there's no point in investing why are we even doing it I mean I I get it but I think education is the only thing that can really change that so I mean what would be maybe the off the top of your head maybe the first two steps in terms of like okay you know you have x amount of money even if it's like a grand or something Right. What are the first two steps that you'd say, okay, this is how you're going to get into investing. These are the things you should do. So the very first thing you need to do is open a brokerage account. Uh, the brokerages that I, I personally like, I personally use these. I don't, I'm not, I'm not getting any money from them or anything. I don't, I'm not giving any referral codes. So the ones that I use are wealth simple because they have no commission fees with them. I actually set up recurring buys and automated, uh, automated deposits. So what happens is my money automatically goes from my bank account into my wealth simple account. And then it automatically gets invested on a certain day every week. So that's that part is great. I don't think any other brokerage offers that in Canada. I think in the US, there are quite a few that do that. And the second brokerage that I like is Questrade. So Questrade is really good because they have a more professional platform. They do charge a bit of a commission, but you can, you have a little bit more of an advantage to them. There's, I mean, if you want something even more complicated, go you can go through like TD Bank, for example, but TDs is a little bit more expensive. Uh, the second step would be fund your account easy process. Your, your account should be pretty simple to, to connect and all that stuff. Third process is you can pretty much buy index funds. What I, what I suggest doing is buy index funds as a majority of your portfolio. So index funds are basically funds group. They're, they're baskets of, of assets. So you can buy real estate index funds. You can buy stock index funds. You can buy other, other types of bond index funds, for example. Um, so what I would start with is a stock index fund. VFV, you can look into it, not advice or anything. Um, but that's the one I personally like because the fees are low. It, it represents the S&P 500, which is the biggest index in the world, I guess you can say. It holds companies like Apple, Microsoft. So you're investing little bits of money into each of those stocks by buying an S&P 500 index fund. So uh, the second thing that I would buy would be probably a REIT, uh, maybe a global REIT, if possible. Um, because what you're what you're getting with a REIT is you're getting exposure to real estate. With with real estate, you're you're basically buying something that has a limited supply, and over over time there is demand for it. There's utility. And then the third thing that I recommend doing is buy a little bit of physical gold in case anything happens. It's a hedge against basically everything going wrong. So it's a hedge against the modern economy. And then the third thing that I would recommend doing is buy Bitcoin, which is something that's a little bit more complicated. You have to learn about it. Otherwise, you're never going to get it. The world is probably going to change in that direction, but have a little bit of it just in case it doesn't. And then you have you have a pretty well-balanced portfolio, right? If you have a little bit of cash on the side as well, just in case prices drop or if you have an emergency, that's important as well as part of a well-balanced portfolio because you have liquidity and you have stability. That's a, that's a lot to take in, but right. I, I do see where you're coming from. And I think 
Now, just as someone who isn't maybe as familiar with all of these types of investments, I think now the fear is sort of starting to settle in. So how would you advise someone to to start really? Like where, what's a good starting point in, in the order that you just mentioned? Or is there something kind of like a soft launch into it and then building from there? What you could start with is something like if you want, you can just go on YouTube and search for index funds or you can search for my username on in, on Twitter. I have a bunch of threads on this, just explaining these things from first principles. The reason why I think that's very important is because you want to know it from a very deep level. If you don't understand it from a very deep level, you're going to get scared when, when the market drops. Eventually it will. Eventually it'll go back up. It'll eventually, and eventually it'll drop. I mean, over the long term, there are always going to be drops. And I mean, you have to, you want to get your confidence up in case that happens. I think if you just search for simple terms like index fund on Twitter, you're going to get a bunch of threads. I would personally say go through and read a few of them. If you if you want to go on YouTube, you can listen to podcasts. If you want to go through, listen to a few a few different opinions, and then go from there. Make your own judgment based on what you think is right for you. Information is always key, and, right. and arming yourself with that. And then you're also mentioning something right off the top when you, in your explanation that I liked in terms of that's very I think millennial centric is set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. It's just like okay you're putting this in and you don't necessarily always have to think in like calculate or whatnot it's already taking it from your account almost like you're setting up in a separate savings account and then whether it's bi-weekly or monthly it's just put taking the money out and putting it away so you're building yourself financially without necessarily having to do the physical work which is I think something that entices millennials I would hope or think. <laughs> Of course, I, I don't think millennials have much time on their hands. So definitely, I, I don't think people want to be looking at their portfolios constantly. I think if you set it and forget it once, if you have it done right, you don't really have to think about it too much. You could probably look at your portfolio once a year, when, once every six months. You don't really have to spend that much time doing that. Okay. Well, I like that. Yeah, me too. And and Rajat, you mentioned that you are working on a course to teach personal finance. Is all of this and more, I assume, going to be included in that course? Uh, so that course isn't going to have the investing part. I think the investing part is a little bit more complicated. Hmm. I try to go very deep. So this course is going to be pretty long. I wanted to separate that just in case anybody wants it uh, separated. So this course is going to have budgeting, uh, how to build your credit score, uh, it's going to talk about debt, how to save. It'll actually teach you how to increase your income, just ways that, that people may not have thought of. It'll discuss maybe negotiating with your employer or something. So just things that people may not have thought of and may be able to apply very easily to their own lives. I think it'll be coming out within the next month. The next course, it'll probably be done by the end of the year, maybe a little bit later than that. Um, but that one's going to be about investing. It's going to go really in-depth with investing. Amazing. Okay. And then, I mean, I guess maybe finally, I guess, send things off. If you had 15 seconds, somebody came to you drenched in tears <laughs> and just like, help me, Rajat, help me. What's the one thing maybe that you would tell them to be like, this is what you must do to get on the right financial path. Increase income, decrease expenses and invest the difference. Okay. Simple. simple. I like it. <laughs> He's like, boom. I'm you see, <laughs> see, when you make it that simple, it's so much easier to understand. Yeah, honestly, that that's the thing, right? All financial advice is basically expanding on that, and and a lot of it is subjective. A lot of a lot of there, a lot of it has evidence backed information. But it's basically those three things, right? You're you're always going to have to do that over time. 
Love it. Okay. So for anyone that uh, wants more information from, from you, wants more advice, wants to follow you on Twitter, or on your socials, like I was saying, you have like fire advice and, and, you know, you help break things down financially. So if anyone wants more information from you, where do they go? I actually, I, I post on Twitter and I post on Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, it's Rajat Sony Finance, no spaces. For some reason, there's so many in- impersonators. Uh, I'm trying to get rid of them. Uh, just watch out. Make sure you don't follow the wrong one. Uh, but I'm I'm trying to trying to figure that out. So watch out for impersonators on Twitter. It's Rajat Sony Finance, but there's no I in the finance. Okay, good to Solid. know. Good to know. Rajat Sony, chartered financial analyst, and given some great personal finance advice. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, it was great to be here. All right, and that'll be it for this edition of Millennial Balance. We will talk to you next time. See you soon. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. This is Mental Health Moments, the podcast dedicated to breaking down barriers and sharing your stories. Brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of Mental Health Moments, hosted by yours truly, Phil McCabe, and brought to you by 105.9 The Region. As always, I've got a little bit of a speech before we get into the show. If you're a return listener, you know what I'm about to say. If you're a new listener, sit tight. It'll be worth it. Did you know that Discovery, the wonderful radio show that hosts this podcast, as well as Millennial Balance and the New Music Podcast, and some of our amazing clients, is on all major podcast platforms? It's true. If you listen on Apple, you can get it there. Google, Spotify, Audible. Wherever you get your podcast, all you have to do is search Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, and it can be found. It's true. Check it out. Now, today's episode is going to be dedicated to the men out there, but this information is for everybody. Today, we are talking about body positivity from a male perspective and its impact on one's mental health. I'd like to start with my personal experience, and then I'm going to close with going into the thoughts of my my peers and friends, and then we'll close with a little bit of insight in my opinion on how I think we can work our way to a, a better society. Now, to be frank, I'm not sure of my exact weight, but if I had to wager a guess, if I were forced to guess, I'd say it's somewhere north of 200 pounds. And I suspect that the reason for not knowing the exact number is something pretty common amongst people with body positivity issues. I'm scared to see the number higher than I think it is. I say 200, but if I step on that scale and it's 210, 215, whatever it might be above that number that I've said, it's going to shake my confidence. So I just don't step on the scale. Now, personally, I don't think that growing up I had body image issues in uh, in the literal sense, but the older I've gotten, it seems to have grown. But that may or may not come down to the fact that I've gotten bigger as the years went on. Anecdotally speaking, I've always struggled with the idea of looking stupid in front of others. So maybe I did have body image issues, but maybe because I was skinny up until my late 20s, it was never a concern until my my belly started to grow and still until the weight started to add on now the heavier i've gotten the more i've felt like there's societal pressures to look a certain way and what i mean by that is as i was putting on weight i i realized that throughout my entire life i've been bombarded with images of what good looking men are supposed to look like so as my gut grew my confidence shrank Because the world was telling me that you can't be heavy and be attractive. You have to be cut from stone. You have to have abs. You have to be six feet tall and just ripped and shredded. Whatever 
uh, descriptor you want to use. You had to look that way. And before we move on, I think it's important to note that it is my personal belief that women face even more pressure than men when it comes to this. And throughout history, women were told that they need to be attractive, fulfill their womanly duties, and to be of use to society. Whereas throughout history, men have had held power throughout the gender stereotypes, and regardless of their physical appearance, they held a certain amount of power in the dynamic between man and woman. Do I think that these pressures to look a certain way are intentional? No. It is my belief that we as a species evolved in such a way that the strongest man was the most viable mate. Though before I move on, I do want it known that throughout history, Huskier men, like myself, were often associated with wealth as they could afford to live a lifestyle that allowed them to gain weight. But back to the pressures that we have to look a certain way. I will never suggest that working out and taking care of your body is a bad thing. It's the exact opposite. If a big part of mental health is physical health, so obviously taking care of your body and working out and all these different things is a very good thing. So please don't take my words as advocating against taking care of yourself just to scoff at the status quo. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't do that. Take care of yourself. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I struggle personally with the idea that society has set the standard for which men and women need to meet in order to be deemed attractive, in order to be deemed useful, and so on and so forth. But you know, looking big picture, I think that we as a people would do well to continue to support the idea that beauty or attractiveness is not solely dependent on one's physical appearance. There is so much more that goes into people, and whether or not someone is good looking does not take away from them being a good person, is my point. The comparison that I used in conversation with others ahead of this podcast was... Uh, was the model Ashley Graham. When she first broke onto the scene as a model, she was considered quote-unquote sexy for all intents and purposes. And you know what? She, at the time, was a, a relatively heavy-set woman and was a larger woman. And she was, again, deemed good-looking. She was deemed attractive. She was deemed sexy, however you want to word it. And then you compare that to the male actor-comedian Burt Kreischer, who if you watch his acts, he, he's a heavyset guy. He doesn't wear a shirt. He's kind of disheveled looking. This example that I'm using is very much based on personal experience in what I've seen on social media, in what I've seen in terms of reactions towards these people that Ashley was considered good looking, where Bert was considered uh, ugly or what have you. But my point is in both of these examples, or in both of these people rather, they are both hardworking, dedicated individuals that bucked status quo and decided you don't have to look a certain way to be successful in your field. Ashley was a heavy, is a heavier woman, and she continues to star on magazine covers and Sports Illustrated and so on and so forth. And Bert Kreischer, the comedian, just had a movie come out, and he's equally as hardworking, so why is it that because he's a man, because he's got a gut, because he's a, a beer-drinking, you know, party animal, somehow he's unattractive now? As I'm one to do, before I podcast, I ask the, a question to my social media. In this case, I directed a question to the men of my social media circle, and the question was simple. Do you like the way you look? And to be completely honest, without exaggerating, every single respondent except for one noted that they disliked their body. 
Was I surprised by that response? No, not really. But I think that it comes from the fact that I too felt that way, so it didn't surprise me that other people felt that way. What did surprise me, however, was the use of the term body dysmorphia by two of the people that replied. I'd like to pause here and define that. Body dysmorphia is a mental health condition where a person spends a lot of time worrying about the flaws in their appearance. And a little anecdote to that is oftentimes the flaw in their physical appearance is something that someone wouldn't even notice. But going back to the responses of my friends and peers, I think it's troubling that all of these individuals who identify as males struggle with their appearance. They struggle with the idea that they don't like how they look and can't find a way to speak positively about their experience, or about their appearance, rather. Granted, the sample size is pretty small. There was only a few that responded, but based on that sample size, there was a 90% return on the people who said they hated their body or don't like the way they look, don't feel comfortable in their own skin. And I can only imagine, based on that, how many men out there, either biologically or someone who identifies as a man, how many of them struggle with this exact same idea? So what can we do about this? I genuinely don't know, nor will I claim to know the answer. But in my opinion, from my perspective, I think we can start by encouraging body positivity for all people in all shapes and sizes. I think that we can dedicate ourselves to propping up those around us. And what do I mean by propping up those around us? Well, the simple explanation is something like complimenting each other, but I think it goes much, much further than that. I think that we need to work towards a world that no longer equates beauty and value to a certain look. That someone can be who they are and can carry value, can be attractive, can be beautiful, for lack of a better word, regardless of their physical appearance. That we see the beauty in them as individuals, not what their body looks like. I also believe that we need to be sympathetic to the idea that for some, the way they look may be something that they are continuing to struggle with on a constant basis. Using myself as a case study partnered with the replies I received referencing body dysmorphia, you never know what someone might be struggling with, and the reality is someone might be struggling with the idea of loving themselves or being comfortable in their own skin, all of these things that we've described today, so maybe, just maybe, we can love one another until they have the strength to love themselves. Until next time. And yo, whatever comes up, comes out. We don't put our hands over our mouth. And whatever comes up, comes out. We don't put our hands over our mouth. Whatever comes up, comes out. Please, Mr. Baseman, let me play it on Hey yo, depending on the day and depending on what I ate, I'm anywhere from 20 to 35 pounds overweight. I got red eyes and one of them's lazy and they both squint when the sun shines so I look crazy. I'm albino man, I know I'm pink and pale and I'm hairy as hell everywhere but fingernails. 
I shave a cranium that ain't quite shaped right. Face type shiny, I stay up and write late nights. My wardrobe is jeans and faded shirts. A mixture of what I like and what I wear to work. I'm not mean and got a neck full of razor bumps. I'm not the classic profile of what the ladies want. You might think I'm depressed as can be. But when I look in the mirror, I see Smee. And if that's something you can't respect, then that's peace. My life's better without you, actually. To everyone out there who's a little different, I say, damn, a magazine, these is God's fingerprints. You can call me ugly, but can't take nothing from me. I am what I am, doctor. You ain't gotta love me. According to Forrest Whitaker in the third chapter of the third line. Brother Riley, would you please read to the choir for me, son? I'ma be alright. You ain't gotta be my friend and I ain't gotta love me. And I'ma be okay. You would probably pour me anyway. You ain't gotta love me. And I'ma be alright. You ain't gotta be my friend and I ain't gotta love me. And I'ma be okay. someone you love is struggling with mental health concerns, contact a local agency near you. This has been Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.